0: Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, If you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B Marketing Managers, CMOs, Marketers in Demand roles, Content Leads and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategy that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep
1: you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.
0: We're in a mission to craft the perfect B2B marketing campaign. So I've got four of the best experts in the business to join me. First, we got customer research expert, Ryan Gibson to interview our dream customers and generate incredible insights about our customers to form the foundations of our marketing campaign. He then passed these insights onto copywriting and landing page wizard, Jess Cook. Jess totally reworked our landing page to make it a conversion machine. And now LinkedIn ads expert, Justin Rowe is gonna show us the perfect way to set up our LinkedIn ads campaigns to drive the right traffic to it. Stick around and in this video, you're gonna learn the perfect LinkedIn ad strategy that we're using to launch this campaign, how to put together creatives that work and how to technically set up your LinkedIn ads for success. If you haven't been following along, we're doing this because we owe Monica, a listener of the B2B Playbook, $500. That's because she referred someone to our marketing program, the B2B Incubator, but Monica refused to take the money just because she's too damn nice. So we're taking the $500 that we owe her, putting it into ads for the first time ever and giving her 20% of whatever it is that we make. The question is, with the help of the experts, is can we turn that initial $500 into something much, much bigger to give her? Subscribe to our email list to follow the journey and find out. Okay, let's get into this session with Justin Rowe. Justin, we're so excited to have you on board. Meet Monica, the subject of this experiment. Now, as you know, we owe Monica $500 as a referral free, but she refused it. So we're investing that $500 into creating the perfect campaign to hopefully turn that $500 into something much, much bigger to give her. We started with customer research to deeply understand our ideal customer, who happens to be Monica, we then pass those insights onto our landing page and copywriting expert. And now, Justin, you're going to help us get our message in front of our dream customers with paid advertising to try and get some signups for our program, the B2B Incubator. Justin, are you up for the challenge?
2: Yes, I am up for the challenge. I was excited when I heard what you were doing and I thought it was interesting. This isn't you know, super high stakes, but this is like an experimental, this is help working with a past client student, I think this is kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's super high stakes. We're all releasing this publicly. We're building in public. Yeah. And as I said, I hope we don't fall flat on our ass, but <laughs> there'll be plenty and plenty of learnings to take away from it regardless. Yeah. Okay. So Justin, you've taken a look at our customer research and you've taken a look at our landing page. You know, our objective, you know what we're trying to do for Monica. You've actually gone ahead and you've put together a bit of a strategy for us when it comes to LinkedIn ads. Would you be able to take us through that? Yeah.
2: One of the things, and I can share my screen probably. One of the things I, I tried to do, especially with this budget was I we want to be realistic and we want to be creative because obviously isn't going to be some big campaign. So we want to make the most of it. And if we're going to use LinkedIn, one of my favorite things about leveraging LinkedIn for ads is the retargeting. That was one of my big things when we started this was, do we have warm audiences we can tap into because $500 going into initial LinkedIn cold campaigns, even with the best offer and the best targeting, it's first impressions, the conversion rates, it it, it would just disappear. And then it would take work to stay in front of them, but. If we can start with a warm audience where we actually have people that have heard of us, have been on the website, interacted with the company page, and then you can get back in front of that group of people and you can qualify them. Then that, that takes a completely different spin on it. And can you see my screen right now with yep, time of this yep. framework? yeah. And generally what I find with LinkedIn ads is most of the conversions come from the retargeting, the cold layer. Usually is the most expensive layer. And it's where you get on the radar with who you are and what you do. But then in the retargeting layer, once you've done that work, that's where most of the conversions come from at a fraction of the price. And the main strategy that, that I have in the, in that retargeting layer is okay. In the B2B world or in this kind of offering, the reason they don't usually buy on their first visit is because they don't know you, they don't trust you yet. So using retargeting to get back in front of the warm prospects. If the audience is big enough, you can also layer in demographic filters. So you could say they have to be, they have to have been on my website and be this seniority, this job function, this so you can actually qualify that website traffic too, and then tell them why they can trust you. So the types of ads that we talked about for this campaign do fall under a lot of what I really preach for, which is. Do we have testimonials, case studies, results? Do we have things that help position us as experts or let them get to know us as a brand or see us as experts in our space? So using that framework to get back in front of them with LinkedIn retargeting, that was a big part of the strategy and mentality, I guess, around that my influence around how we should position that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, as you said, $500 isn't going to go too far. So it sounds like starting with warm audiences, people who are already familiar with ourselves, our brand at least have come across the podcast or have absorbed some of our content on LinkedIn is the place to start. In terms of those warm audiences, Justin, what we've been able to scrape together in terms of warm audiences is one, followers and profile visitors of the B2B Playbook page. Also, we're currently running actually a collaboration with Dovetail, which promotes the first part of this experiment. So we've set up an audience to capture people who view 50% of that video. So we figured that they're people engaged. This experiment is all about the incubator. So that's another warm audience for us to target. We're going to be targeting visitors of the B2B Playbook website, the B2B Incubator website. And we've got our newsletter subscriber list as well. So look, when you combine them all together, it's probably still not a huge audience, but hopefully big enough for us to get started.
2: Yeah, I definitely think it's big enough to get started. And that's where it's a lot of work. So even if it's, I think we had looked at it and I saw the number, but even if it's a few thousand people, that is a very concentrated group of people that because it's a lot of work to get on the radar like that's the hardest most expensive part of any marketing campaign so if you already have a group of a few hundred a few thousand people that know who you are and especially if a lot of this has been driven by linkedin organic efforts as well then those people what we've seen is that level of trust and those sales cycles can get much shorter so if they found you from linkedin organic then visited your website and then they start seeing ads yeah there's a pretty powerful chance of converting some of that into interest in a short period of time because the big thing that made them not buy is usually that was their first time interacting with you and they just don't like they don't know you they don't trust you yet they don't see you as the experts but retargeting, one of the beautiful things it does is it really starts to present them in your mind as, okay, that's an established brand. That's okay, there, maybe I can. It's almost like the more I get retargeted or the more I see ads, the the bigger and more official, I think like these companies are. And that's how the buyers work, yeah. Yeah, I'm very interested
0: to see the impact that this'll have. Back for our last cohort, whenever we would post about the B2B incubator, we worked out that for roughly every 12 to 1500 organic impressions that we got, a post about the b2b incubator we normally got an application off the back of it so i don't think i I, look i doubt that it'll be the same sort of equation here when it comes to paid ads because it'll be a bit broader but it'll be very interesting to see what that that difference is
2: yeah i saw someone someone else earlier this week actually got me thinking about that because they said something similar they had organic and they had it they knew that if i had a post that reached this many views. It usually created like this many inbound leads for me. So the thought process was if I made ads would that similar impression. And I think what we found out is that the power of those organic impressions, like pound or view for view are actually more powerful. And it's because they found you organically versus the paid ad. But I think with the ads I saw we're also combining. A lot of the elements that you guys use in organic and just amplifying it with paid. So I think, I think that'll go a long way as well. Okay. Awesome. So the strategy
0: is we're going to start by targeting these warm audiences. If that $500 gets us nowhere, spoiler alert, we are going to tip some more money into this campaign and we're going to target some cold audiences too. I think Justin, you mentioned in terms of cold audiences,
2: there's actually an interest in dark social audience that we can target. Yes, it is a new, and I don't even think I've, I haven't seen anyone else post about this and I haven't even posted about it. So this might be, if you're watching this, it might be the first time you're hearing this, but one of the interests you can target on LinkedIn ads by interest. And a lot of it's either like product interest. Like some of the cool ones that I use, might use would be they're interested in retargeting. They're interested in B2B marketing. They're interested in direct marketing because usually those are people in the trenches if they're... And the way I think they calculate it is these people are engaging with content in these in these sections, which also means you get the added benefit of them being usually more active LinkedIn users. So yeah, one of the new categories is actually dark social So if people are interested in that or, or have engaged with that kind of content, you can narrow in on them, which would probably, which is actually good for us as well. I added that into our campaigns pretty recently. Oh, awesome. All right. I'm
0: very keen to check that out. And then in terms of targeting that we're going to probably overlay on top of these cold audiences, we've nailed down who our ideal customer profile is and it's positions, B2B marketing managers, demand gen marketers, company size really normally 11 to 100, but I know we've got to go 11 to 200 because that's what the option that LinkedIn gives us. The function is marketing. The marketing team size is one to five. So minimum of one, maximum of five. And locations, we had Australia, New Zealand, USA, Canada. We'd also listed down UK, Switzerland, the Netherlands, Austria, Scotland, just because we've had people participate in the incubator from all those different countries. We've had them from India as well. We don't have an enormous budget. So when we're testing cold audiences, you told us, Justin, that we should probably narrow that down.
2: Yeah, and one of the things that we've realized recently as well is the way that the bidding happens and the way that the time zones are structured, a small amount of budget can, for example, the biggest one is if you're targeting the United States and the UK, which a lot of people do because they're very similar markets. But they're on completely different time zones. So if you're targeting both of those and your budget is less than $100 dollars a day, there's a really high percentage chance that the entire budget is spent in the UK before bidding opens up in US. So if you don't have a big budget and the US was a priority for you, you probably should either segment that out into separate campaigns and give them their own budget or just pick where you're at, you're getting the most traction or where you think you can be the strongest and keep your budget there.
0: Okay, all right, that makes sense. So go as as deep as possible rather than wider. All right, that's the strategy. I'm going to go ahead and show you the creative that we've put together. Actually, before I do that, Justin, you re- recommended a few different types of creative that we put together for these cold and warm audiences.
2: Would you mind taking us through what they were before I then show you ours? Yeah the the types were I think single image, which is the most versatile. You can show things like either numbers, stats reasons or testimonials and video if possible, because I know that that's a familiar format for you guys. And if possible, especially if we could use video in the retargeting layer, one of the things that w- would be exciting to me about that is that that's then another trackable thing. So if they're only seeing these videos if they already interacted with the brand and then they get shown a video retargeting campaign and they watch 75% of one of the videos from that could be segmented out into a high 30-day high intent stronger push so that was really attractive to me especially with a little funnel like this if you only have a few thousand people maybe in retargeting it's going to be harder to maybe then see which of that group has higher intent but with video you can actually see who's really highly engaged pull them out and do something there so the single image the video and then I think we talked about adding in text or spotlight ads to swarm them, out, saturate them a little bit more on the desktop.
0: Okay. All right. Awesome. In terms of what we want to communicate to this audience, I think something you said, Justin, is very simply, we want to have some ads that show you know who we are and what it is that we offer. We've got a few different variations of this, and it's based off the messaging that our copywriting expert, landing page expert, Jess Cook, recommended we use. And that was based off the analysis from the customer interview that Ryan put together. So there's a few variations of these. This one here is really focusing on the benefits and sort of the outcomes of the actual program itself. So we've got Monica, the past student of the B2B incubator, what she gets out of it, how she becomes a better B2B marketer in 12 weeks and knows how to drive more revenue. She's more confident in her strategy. She has all the templates and tools she needs. She has a documented B2B demand strategy. I stole this format from B2C Creative, where often they have a product and they have like arrows pointing to all the different things about that product. Interesting to see how that one goes. I like
2: it. You like that one? Yeah. Because yeah, I envision that too. It's almost like this, the training is like a product and on the other side is this shiny new upgrades or whatnot that you're getting out of the process. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. And
0: we tried to like really humanize it and bring it back down to that human level by showing Monica's face in it. We've kept the text actually the same in all of these. And it's probably something we need to A-B test, the whole become a better B2B marketer in 12 weeks. This creative here, the fast forward button for building your B2B demand gen strategy. That was again, something recommended that we try from Jess Cook. She also recommended that we try the 12 week strategy course made for small B2B marketers. Get your demand strategy out of your brain and down on paper. So we've just got really the same sort of creative, but just testing different messages. Drive more revenue from your marketing. Join B2B marketers like Ben. A piece of creative that addresses the actual positions of the people that we want to target very directly—it's just something that we've tried for other clients. Um, hmm. Our creative is when we call them out very directly; we tend to get a higher click-through rate on those ads.
2: I like that. That's smart. We've got I like these ads. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I like. I glanced through them quickly, but seeing these here and actually going through these are these are pretty good.
0: All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, It's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement. And it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Oh, thank you. All right, well, I'm going to get your overall impressions on them. So these are, I just want to show you the last couple for these types of ads. And then I want to get your overall feedback on them. Oh. This is one which is showing that applications are open. Again, just very simple single image ad. Something to drive a bit of urgency the last chance to register. And then we've got a couple more that I want to show you after, but first impressions on these, Justin.
2: Yeah, I think these are good. These are, I like that it has the, like the result is leading with the intro text, become a better B2B marketer in 12 weeks. I do agree. I think you should, an easy test you can do is set it up uh, the campaigns with, with that, and then simply duplicate the ad and change that, that first hook, I think that's worth testing because just from my own keyword research and what I'm seeing, like I would test something like become a better B2B demand gen marketer in 12 weeks because people are actually the search volume on that demand generation marketing demand gen strategies is really going up. And so I guess, yeah, I would try to, I know it's worked in to the, some of the images, but I would test maybe two or three hooks on the intro text, but the images. And I think like the message that it conveys, especially like that screenshot one on the right, where that is that's gonna be the image, which is really nice because it's like an org- it looks like an organic post that's gonna show up in their feed, but you get all your points across with in a better way than you would be able to do with the text, because the text would be truncated. So this is really nice. I like these.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very kind words. <laughs> I think some feedback you had for us previously, Justin, was this this call to action, the apply
2: button. Uh, yeah. I think you said, yeah, what did you say about that? Yeah. So my, my thought was that could, I was asking what happens when they click this so is it just a landing page and then they get more information and then they have the opportunity to like finally apply or when they hit applied, is it taking their information and then they're out because it does apply, does seem like a stronger call to action, like on the, on people's mental, whatever. So if there is just more information on the other side, then I would soften it and I would put, learn more. That way they know like it's safe to click and explore a little more without expecting to get hit with a form fill or something. In my mind, that's just a better mental path for those. So I would play around with different CTAs there.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cause look, we definitely want to get them to that landing page. Cause there's so much more information on the landing page to get them to qualify themselves, to make sure that the program's the right fit for them. <laughs> But also so they can see all the the great benefits and all the other testimonials that we have and all that kind of stuff.
2: So then, yeah, I would definitely soften it and put learn more. That way they're encouraged to take that next step and they're mentally not thinking they're going to get hit with anything. They're free to go there, they're explore. And then, yeah, the thought process is that landing page is packed with the social proof and the explanation and the value to convert. So let it do its job. And I think switching from apply to learn more will remove some of that early friction from the ad.
0: Okay, awesome. Look, we've got about, gee, I don't know. I think we have 10 creatives here. It, we've got those in there because it's all different messaging that we wanted to test. Is that too much to
2: start with? 10? No, that's actually not too bad because if it's a small, if it's even though the budget is small because the retargeting audience size is also probably relatively small, a small amount of budget can really dominate that. And you're really looking at the people in this prospect. It's a small, It's a smaller group of people in there for a 90 day window, depending on how far back we might've grabbed more data now, but usually ongoing, this will turn into a 90 day, the 90 day frequency might be actually like 15 to 20 in a healthy. So starting with 10 is actually good. You might end up at actually needing five or 10 more ads over the next month or two, if the frequency turns to be that high. So I think this will be good. Okay. Start. All right. Awesome. I think there's two more ads that I wanted to show. So I like the opening little scene because it's, it looks a little humorous. It looks a little creepy and sarcastic. Um, You know, B2B market is confusing and she's... (laughs) it's just like a little meme so it's different than what's on it's attention grabbing because it's different than what's on the feed and then it it clearly says what you guys are doing and it moves the two things yeah if the completion rate actually boosts it i don't think the retargeting video views from this one will be relevant because it's a second and a half like it'll be all 97% like views so those won't be helpful but i do think it it'll be maybe more powerful than a single image touch Okay. that's something that's really good for me to keep in mind as well, because it might muddy the waters a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, I wouldn't consider view like 50 or 75 or 97% view of that video to be an intense signal of something more, but if it was a two minute video and they watched a minute of it, yeah, that means something. We had a minute of their attention. We're definitely in there deeper than we were before. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So Justin, you also recommended that
0: we use organic posts that performed well and turn them into ads. Now the organic posts that we normally do, which drove a lot of signups for our last cohort was a carousel. You're not able to directly sponsor carousels, So I've had to recreate it here as much as I can. And this is it here. So again, it just speaks very directly, almost like having a conversation. With the B2B marketer telling no. them, who are you? Do you have this problem? We've got a 12-week program for you. This is what it does. This is what it looks like. This is the schedule. Show a bit of trust with Kevin and my stupid faces mm-hmm. there, the bobbleheads. And then finally, applications are open. Any final feedback on the who we are sort and what it is? Adds, Justin, before we move on to social
2: proof. No, so with the carousel ad and yeah, my, my general advice was, and one of the things that worked really well for me is that the, I found that the, there were certain posts that I post organically that would almost like clockwork generate a couple of leads for us and every month or every other month I would repurpose some version of that and repost it and refine it and it would consistently bring in leads. So then yeah, taking that and actually making it into an evergreen kind of ad That is shown to people that visit your website, ensure that they see this post that this asset that has a good track record of creating these inbound inquiries. Yeah, that was the advice behind that. And I think you did a good job with this. And those carousels are really nice because it's kind of like a video, like they actually get, it's not just, they engaged yes or no, where they clicked the actual carousel is engaging and informative and building trust. And if they get all the way to the end of that, and then they visit your website, chances of them signing up and converting would be higher than them clicking into any normal ad, So I think that was good.
0: Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right. The next type of ad format that, or type of ad that you told us to try was things that showed off some social proof. So testimonials, case studies, and we've put a few of these together. I'll just expand this. So we have a few different variations. These are just really direct quotes taken from customer interviews with past people from the B2B incubator. I didn't ask them to come prepared with these testimonials we just conduct customer interviews after every single person who goes through the program and this is just what they said so we've just pulled out some really direct quotes there about some of the key features and benefits yeah and a few different
2: variations here so yeah the testimonials i think are always good to have because it's almost it's almost expected but then if you don't have it then like they notice and having especially if it is A program with students where there is like a result attached on the other side, then having these testimonials, the social proof of saying, hey, other people have purchased this and they did achieve the result that they were looking for. It's an extra affirmation. And again, one of my biggest like theories around retargeting is that it's not just enough to stay in front of them. The biggest thing, objection we're trying to overcome is trust and credibility. So yeah, these testimonial types of ads, they lend to that. And they're definitely a good part of the mix to have in there.
0: Awesome. We've got a few more variations and I, and again, I'm uh, wondering if it's too many. So again, this is a different face. This is another ex-student. He mentions a few other things because everyone seems to get something a little bit different out of the program. I guess when it gets into the absolute best features or best outcomes, just because the program covers a fair amount. So Ben here in this case, he really loved the ABM side to the program. He also loved just the structure and the framework that we helped him put in place. This is one that I really liked here, which is probably as closely aligned with the benefit of the program as we see it recommended to all B2B marketers out there in small teams thrown in the deep end, wondering how to prioritize and how to generate demand from your dream customers. This one here really love the framework because it's allowed her to lead as a manager, and we've just got that in two different colours there to see which one pops a bit more. Yeah, and then finally we've got one from Monica as well.
2: Nice. So that's the that's all the the social proof that we have. So I think that's good to, and all of those are going in into a campaign just the testimonials or are these mixed in with another with other ads in a campaign together i forget
0: so this was gonna yeah this is gonna be my question to you is should we have these as separate campaigns so that we could control the budget over them or should we be lumping them all together into one
2: campaign i guess it'll I guess it'll come down to, uh, I forget how many overall campaigns we have. I, I tend to want this in a separate one, if we can afford to, and it could have a minimum budget, but I guess the, my idea is that I want them to get exposed to these, to these testimonials and we want this to be part of it. So it would be nice to be able to control them separately. So having the trust factors and testimonials in a campaign by itself would probably be my recommendation. Okay. Awesome. All right. If we can afford to do that, we'll definitely
0: try and set up things that way. In terms of other creatives that we have, we have a video which was really showing what the B two B incubator is like to be inside. I think I sent that through to you, Justin. Did you get to have
2: a chance to look at that? Yeah, I did. How long was the video? I forget though. I think it's a. I think it's about a minute long. Yeah. So, that I think those views, because this will be, this is going to be in the retargeting layer. Something like this, though, could actually be like if we were running cold ads, I think this kind of video really could be on the cold layer because it's like a promotional, like this is what it is. And if they actually show interest in that and they watch 50, 75% of that, you start retargeting them with all the reasons they can trust you. So, I could see that in the cold, but it's still none of these people assumed have seen this, so I think it'd be a valuable piece an a valuable asset to get in front of them through retargeting. But yeah, I think this will be good. And then this, you can retarget those who watch 75% of it and push for a stronger call to action and a future campaign. Okay. Awesome. So you reckon the threshold should be 75% versus 50%. Am I being too weak Um, in just collecting those with 50%? You can start weak. So just to, I guess if I was just trying to get the initial like high intent campaign off the ground, I might start with 25% views. And then once I have enough to tighten it down to 50%, I would do that even if it drops it all the way down to 300 people. And then once I have a big enough audience to drop it, tighten it again to 75%. Then I would do that. So I I guess I would start out loose just so you have enough to start, and then I would tighten it the bigger that group gets. Okay, awesome. And I think really the final two ads
0: were just more educational ones. And this is an educational one that I do that occasionally gets us applications as well, it gets us some leads. It's one of my awful drawings, uh-huh. which some people have come to know me for. Yeah. And it really addresses a key pain point that people have right now, which is, damn, my Google ads can't scale. (laughs) And I go into why that is. Because for us, that's really an entry point into why they need to start creating demand or why they need to have a demand creation play in place to start chipping away at. Because Google ads is not going to scale forever. The lower funnel doesn't scale forever. So we try and speak to a very direct entry level pain point. Yeah, so that's something that we're trying.
2: That's pretty smart. You guys are pretty smart over there, <laughs> but, no, but that's a really good like thought process that the Google ads not scaling being a common problem and uh, like a good entry point or foot in the door of other solutions. Cause you're hitting on a major pain point. I think that would make a great cold ad as well. If we we're firing up because you're hitting on a, ma- a major pain point and you're right, that's a good foot in the door. And if they express interest in this. Maybe they're just dipping their toe in or just getting information, but then they start getting retargeted 90 days. They go from curious to more interest. That's a good one. And that's true for us too. We see the main problems that are causing them pain. That's how we start the conversation and then shifts into what we do and how we can help. Okay, also look, it all started from your advice of look at
0: what stuff gets the most traction from your organic posts. Cause that's the stuff that you're obviously hitting on the most pain yeah. points with. My audience is exclusively... B2B marketers, pretty much, like the people that were trying to help. So it all came from your advice. Nice. I like it. This is one more that we post organically, which tends to do all right. And again, it really just touches on those pain points and shows the difference of most marketers and the pain points that most lonely in-house marketers experience, which is they're constantly searching HubSpot, the HubSpot blog for tips. They're saving posts from LinkedIn thought leaders. They're confusing strategy with tactics. They're unsure if their strategy is working. Their acquisition costs are rising. Everything just feels like it's overwhelming. And then on the other side, we've got B2B marketers who are following our five B's framework. And it's really detailed whether or not people would actually go ahead and stop and read the detail on it. I'm not so sure, Justin, (laughs) but maybe just the order
2: and detail is enough to hopefully pique their interest. So I'm interested to see how this one goes. Yeah, I think the format is eye-catching and it's like your drawings, like there's certain imagery that you're just used to seeing on LinkedIn. And then there's some things that are just different. Like I think of the B2B funnel guys, I can spot one of their charts like a mile away And I think there's people that would see our six month framework and they that even just whatever I drew that in, I don't even use that software anymore, whatever I drew that in, like that, that coloring and that scheme was like seared into their brains. But this is different. And people I've, I found people really like charts and organized checklists and information in this kind of format. So I think it's eye catching and then relevant to them. Okay. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Very keen to see how this one goes. All right, that's our creative. Justin, next, I wanted to get your feedback on the actual objectives that we should set on these campaigns. What should we be optimizing for? There's so many different objectives you can use with LinkedIn ads. What do you recommend for these, I
2: guess, for the warm and the cold audiences? Um, I think my... My main advice is that we could either go with website visits or engagement, I think, and I would tend to lean towards website visit ideally, eventually, once the campaign has enough like conversion data, if this was actually a term campaign that had conversion events, we could change to a conversion focus, but LinkedIn ads like this campaign won't know what a conversion looks like. So that focus wouldn't be helpful. So just switching to, or using website visits, I think is good. You could make an argument for engagement and just the in-feed consumption. I think they they get put out there a lot of the same as website visit, so I could go either way.
0: Okay, and then so if, we're opt- if they're optimizing for traffic, then are we judging these ads based on click-through rate performance? Is that what we're trying to use
2: as a way of measuring the success of these? Initially, click-through rate is a good indicator of which ones are gaining more attention. Ultimately, I think you were able to set up some... Intent clicks and conversion events. So yeah, maybe initially I'm looking at cost per click and click through rate just to get some data on what's doing better or worse. But I would say in the first couple of weeks, I would expect to see some of those in pe- in key page views, intent clicks, or some of those more meaningful actions, because we are attacking a very warm audience with pretty decent ads that speak to their pain points. So I would actually expect to start seeing even micro conversion events. And then that's all I would care about is optimizing towards those.
0: Okay. So you got us to set up tracking conversions on the B2B incubator website. And the things that we've been able to track is when someone submits an application, we want to be able to track that. If someone requests a free trial of the incubator program, If someone views the application page, so it's a key page view. If someone downloads the business case. So we have a business case that people can download to send to their boss. And we also have a conversion for what we would call an engaged viewer. And that's someone who scrolls at least 50% of the way down the page, like the main page, and then spends 90 seconds, two minutes Hmm. on the page itself. Nice. Is that something initially that we should be trying
2: to get our campaigns, the objective? So yeah, I would say it It actually is a realistic expectation that we should be seeing these at least key page views, maybe some of the, like the a free trial request. That's, these are low barrier. You have good CTAs and actions that are possible. I think the ads are good. The audience is warm. So I do think within the first three or four weeks that we should be seeing Those conversion events to some degree, even engaged. Yeah. If you have engaged viewers or the scroll, you definitely should be seeing that. And then, yeah, once I'm seeing that, I almost don't care about the cost per click or the click through rate, other than it can help be guiding and confirming what we're seeing. Hey, this campaign or these ads are leading to more meaningful actions. And they also are showing more favorable CTRs. This is maybe what we should lean into. So yeah, I do think that's completely realistic and what we should be hoping for or expecting
0: okay awesome and are we able to actually get linkedin to optimize to one of these conversions as an objective so rather than just trying to get us traffic can we say hey linkedin at least try and get us people who are going to be engaged viewers because then that's one step better than those that are just coming to our website and bouncing these are people who come they've engaged with the page in some way shape or form is that a
2: place that we can start with LinkedIn at? You wouldn't be able to start there so there is a an objective for conversion focus. The main problem is with most ad platforms it requires that your ad platform have enough conversion data. Like for Google Ads you have to have I think like 30 conversion events a month or something for it to even have enough volume and data to optimize for conversions. So initially we might be optimizing for website clicks or visits, but once we have, because you're also tracking different, different event types, like this account will accumulate a decent amount of conversion data over the next few months. So probably, yeah, maybe in a, a month or two, you actually could switch over some of the campaigns to a conversion focus.
0: Okay. All right. Awesome. And then one other question I had, Justin, is you also recommend putting dollar values against each of these conversion actions. Yeah. How do you decide what to assign each of these conversions in terms of a dollar value? It can
2: be a, a guesstimation. So I can walk you through some of our values. If I had a pricing, for example, key page views, I might just put like a very low value, like $1, $2 or something. It's just... It's more valuable than just visiting the main website. They intentionally navigated over to a page that should show that they were a little more interested. So those I give a very low value for the main actions I want to track, like form submissions or free signups, I usually do a last and an each conversion. And then I add values to those. So the each, which would be each campaign that they touched before converting, I give that a lower value. So like the each for call bookings for us, I give like a $10 value. And then the last touch, last campaign conversion, which is the last touch that they interacted with before converting. I give that one like $150 for a call booking for us. And the each was like $10. And then for purchases for us, you could either, you would have a last touch each camp conversion and a last touch last. And the last one I would probably like, if it was, yeah, I guess we don't have that here, but for each of these, I guess I would just estimate like what that value is. There's not a. There's not going to be a great way. It's a guesstimation on your end. And is the
0: reason that you do that so then we can feed more detailed information to the LinkedIn algorithm as to which conversion actions are more important than others?
2: Yeah, it's going to help you optimize. So as you have this set up, you're going to start seeing all these conversion events. And then you can look in the dashboard and you can separate it to see all the different kinds of events. But ultimately, if you can associate a value with that at a glance, it's easier to say, it's easier to spot when even a campaign with less conversion events, but is bringing in more valuable actions is needs more attention versus just looking at the overall number of conversion events. Because one campaign might be getting tons of people looking at the pricing page, but there's other campaigns actually getting people to book calls and book meetings. So it's getting less conversion events, but more meaningful. So being able to make decisions based on the impact of the ads I think it is important for optimizing.
0: Okay. All right. That makes sense. Another question that I had, Justin, I'm sure Monica has some questions too. But another question that I had is, I guess once we get this all set up and it's all running, how long should we let it run for before we make
2: any changes at all to the campaign? i usually, unless there's something dramatically wrong, like there was a setting, like LinkedIn audience network or expansion, or it's just like you, you feel completely like the ad spend is being wasted. I would let it run at least a week before I'm looking at even making small changes such as pausing any ads or changing any budgets or anything like that. So I'd probably let it run for a week. And then some of the first stuff I'm looking at is what's the frequency of these campaigns? What ads inside those campaigns are doing the best and the worst? And is there anything I'm learning early on? Like this style of ad or this ad in particular is just dominating the others so i'd just be looking for basic insights but i wouldn't even be like tempted to take action on any of those until at least a weekend and even then i might just make tiny changes and let it play out another week then
0: okay all right that makes sense and because we're targeting warmer audiences and because we have quite a limited budget is in that initial phase is click-through rate or I guess video view percentage of the video, are they probably the two big leading indicators of success that we should look for?
2: Yeah. Initially in the first week or two, I'm looking at click through rate and I'm looking at cost per click. If we start seeing some kind of conversion events, that would be great. I do imagine one of the things I would expect is that when you're turning on a, an ad campaign like this and when it comes live, it it's going to be serving the most active LinkedIn users first because they're on LinkedIn today. They're going to be on LinkedIn tomorrow. So usually, there's going to be some of the best results are going to be in the early weeks. So I really wouldn't, I really would expect these conversion events to be happening in the first three weeks. But yeah, in the first week or so, I'm looking at CTR and CPC, and I'm really just trying to gauge: is it under ten dollars? That would be nice. If it's five dollars or less. That would be great. And then what adds within each of those campaigns is doing good or bad. Okay, all right, that makes sense. That makes
0: sense. We also have a few different landing pages that we wanna test out. This first one is the one that Jess Cook has helped us optimize. That's on the B2B incubator domain. We also have the original one that Kevin and I threw together with slightly different messaging. And then we have our third version, which is actually just a page on the b2bplaybook.com for a long time we kept them separate but then just recently we thought hey we're building so much trust with the b2b playbook brand why not put our services page on there as well yeah so that's something else that we wanted to try too so are we able to a b test these different landing pages against the creative yeah you can i guess it would
2: just be a matter of yeah how where and how you want to test that because it's If you had, let's say 10 ads in a campaign, you could just simply do, you could either take those 10 ads and you could split them up, sending them to different landing pages. So it wouldn't be a true AB test because it's actually different creatives going to different landing pages. A true AB test would be duplicating those 10 ads three times and sending each group to a different set of landing pages. But then that's a lot of, that's a lot of work and that's a lot of creatives. And that's probably a lot of ads for a smaller budget to be spread across. So I'd probably say, maybe it won't be a perfect test, but a lot of the ads, like for example, the testimonials, a lot of them do have the same or similar like points they're trying to get across and a similar style in in ad creative. So splitting those up between three destinations wouldn't be that bad. It wouldn't be a perfect AB test, but it would probably still be telling to some degree, so maybe I would look for that. Or if you really had a campaign where you really wanted to do a more true test, even just your top performing ad, or maybe you run these for a little bit to to the to one and then your top performing ones, you just duplicate those ads and then test landing page. So first you're testing ads and then you're testing landing pages versus maybe doing it all at once might be a lot. Okay. That makes a lot of sense.
0: <clears throat> so Justin, my own final question is bidding. When it actually comes to bidding, when we're running these ads, what bidding method should we... Use Should we
2: use... Actually, what even are the different bidding so, methods? I'm glad you asked, sir. So, the main <laughs> bidding methods is... So, there's automated delivery. That's on by default. And that just means basically LinkedIn is going to decide... They're going to... They have the freedom to bid within your budget. That's actually... Like for retargeting, it's going to be less competitive. So... The bidding is probably more crucial in cold campaigns because the cost per click can be so outrageous. I've seen cost per clicks, 30, 40, $50 for some organizations targeting really small pocket groups of inactive people. And then manual bidding and these aggressive tactics can be really useful for retargeting maximum delivery. Usually it, you're not going to need manual bidding or the enhanced bidding or whatever it's called. So maximum delivery is default. You should be good there. If for some reason in the first week, I think one of the things we might've done is we did grab beyond 90 days. We did grab, I think people, older company page views and there was people beyond. So there is a chance that we are grabbing people that maybe aren't the warmest. So there, so there might be a reason not to do that. So maximum delivery is probably all you need. If the cost per click does come out high, which I would be surprised. Yeah. Maybe we have some inactive people and it's causing it to feel a little colder than it should. If that happens, we can tighten up the audience back to more recent and we can introduce manual bidding and we could probably cover that more into it. But the idea would be you set a threshold and then you're pretty much looking at, okay, here's my daily budget and here's how much LinkedIn spent. If it's continuing to spend your daily budget or maybe a little more, then you know that you have room to keep walking down the manual bid. At some point you'll bid so low that LinkedIn stops placing your ads. And so you'll see your daily spend is actually either nothing or less than your daily budget. And you'll know that you need to raise your manual bid back up, but I'm guessing we'll be okay with automated the maximum delivery right now. Okay. That makes
0: life a lot easier. Yeah. Justin, that's all my questions. Monica, as a B2B marketing manager, have you run LinkedIn ads yourself before? Have you worked with someone who's running LinkedIn ads for you guys?
1: No, but I, I would like to. And I feel like I would just like to ask Justin to do it for me. <laughs> That's the right choice. <laughs> yeah. Might, I might contact you not in the not-so-distant future. <laughs> I
2: like it. I'm here to help.
1: Cool.
0: Have you got any questions at about the process at all, Monica, about anything that we've discussed so far?
1: No, I. it's a lot of information for me. I've never run paid ads on LinkedIn for me to digest. I would like to rewatch this recording George if you can (laughs) pass it over to me I'm sure I'll have questions later but I'll gonna follow Justin's content try to learn that way too
2: appreciate it I feel like this recording today was really like an educational piece too how you walk through the strategy the creatives the thought process Mm -hmm. so I think this would be a good episode for anyone to rewatch for education purpose yes (laughs)
0: Awesome. And also for everyone watching, Justin and I put together just this LinkedIn ad setup document where we walk through the objectives. It's a template that you can take for yourself. I'm just going to share it on the landing page that I put together to include who to target, the kind of audiences that we'll be targeting, budget, time frame, the different conversions that we're tracking, creatives, and then also indicators of uh, leading indicators and lagging indicators of measuring success. Okay. Okay. Thank you both so much for your time, Justin. We're very excited to launch these LinkedIn ads. I think that if things don't quite go to plan in the next three weeks or so, we have one more session where we're going to check in with you to see if we need to do some open heart surgery on this campaign. But hopefully we've set up some good foundations for success. Awesome. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you, Monica. Really appreciate your time, guys. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, guys. A huge thanks to Justin. What an absolute masterclass that was in all things LinkedIn ads. Next, we're going to pass this campaign onto our tracking and reporting expert, Pasha Ursh. Pasha is going to show us how we can track and measure the success of this campaign. It's the final step in creating the perfect B2B marketing campaign. Remember, we're releasing all of this as it happens. So make sure to subscribe and follow the journey so you don't miss out. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at
1: theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook.
0: We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.